Hello and welcome to From the Rookery End. The FA Cup is back uh, and we're back for uh, the another <laughs> run in the FA Cup here on From the Rookery End. Uh, we love it and uh, we've already started recording boys and I tell you I've got a little uh, FA Cup game for you later on. Oh, not another it's one. It's not a quiz. It's slightly different, Jason. It didn't go very well last week, but we'll, we'll no. get to that later on. We're going to talk about the Tranmere game. Mike, it was to the neutral. If you were in the stadium, I doubt you got to see much of it on Match of the Day in terms of highlights. It had everything, that game. It had absolutely everything. And, and on one hand, I'm obviously displeased for, for very, very clear reasons. But for the other, on the other hand, I'm actually quite chuffed. Firstly, obviously, what for contributing to the magic of the FA Cup. Uh, uh, lots going on and people will, will remember it. But it was great to see a, a, a big crowd there yesterday, 15,000. Uh, best part of 3,000 noisy Tranmere fans. And it was a big opportunity for, for people to bring their families, wasn't it? I know I took my nephew, my brother took his, his, his wife and kids. John, I know you were able to take your kids. And everywhere you look... Look, there was there was lots of people potentially going to their to their first Watford game, and uh, that was that was quite good. There's always a bit of a fear when FA Cup third third round comes comes round at Watford, and it's and it's a lower league team that's going to be seven or eight thousand people there on a cold Saturday afternoon. And that's never much fun. But so from that point of view, from an entertainment uh, slash event point of view, yesterday was was really good. And like you said, it was absolutely packed with incident. It didn't quite end the way we would we would have liked it did it um you talk about us having a run in the FA Cup we're at least going to have two games now aren't we um but I think whichever way anyone spins it is probably a second game a replay that which we could have done about but yeah from the neutrals point of view absolutely extraordinary had the lot the VAR decisions gave uh, the two goals and they were sort of it was used properly for I think for the first time um a, a weird and we're still not quite sure red card for for Bobby Pereira but uh, a 3-0 lead for Watford got crawled back we'll see if it was easily crawled back as we talk about it but uh, the uh, Tranmere Rovers came back to make it 3-3 there were lots of new people as Mike said um, at that game Colin but there were lots of new players also for Watford Um, one particular one being Barkman never realised he'd never even played a game for us I I swear he must have played some sort of a cup game uh, in the early days but no we had Barkman in goal uh, Spencer Adams number 51 uh, Mike said to me is that the highest ever Watford squad number at centre back uh, he was placed uh, by Barrett um, who went to uh, went to right back Whelan came on uh, for Queener and we started with Delhi Bashiru making his uh, his first start and of course at half time on comes the man in boy in waiting Jao Pedro Colin the youth was on the pitch if not impressed by the result were you impressed by the the, the players I was actually. I, I, I was very excited coming to the ground because I knew that I was going to see players I've not seen before. I'm delighted there's a replay, actually. And I'm sure that, although it's inconvenient for the club in some ways, I suspect Pearson will also be quite pleased because it'll give him an opportunity to see some of those players again. He'll definitely want to win the tie and he'll probably not play such a young side. Just before I get started about, about watching the young players, I do find it extraordinary that when you watch something like Match of the Day, they're still complaining about teams making seven, eight, nine changes. But that's our fifth game in something like 15 or 16 days. We're in a relegation battle. We've played four games with our main, rather bravely, I thought, playing pretty much the same side, barring um, suspensions or injuries, every time we had to play a Premier League game. So finally, we get to this point. It's like, for goodness sakes, you've got to give those lads a break. They've just played three days earlier. I don't understand why the pundits still complain that it's not it's not the club's fault and it's certainly not the the managers or the players fault it's the scheduling if if you schedule four games in 12 days and then have a cup game after that you have to expect 
players to get the rest. It's the only opportunity they've really got. I'm not a fan of the of the of the phrase lazy journalism, but I think in this case and in these cases, that's exactly what it is because. A much-changed team doesn't mean a weakened team. And going into this game, that I was surprised by the strength of, of this team. And, Con, I'll let, you, I'll let you carry on in a sec. But just to say, just because we had whatever it was, six, seven changes, that doesn't mean it's a weak... Look, look down that, that squad. There's, a, there's an incredible amount of um, experience and talent there. Uh, and it was talented enough to be 3-0 up against a, against a League One side within, within half an hour. So, yeah, it gets my goat up as well. Changes does not mean weakened. To go on from that, was a great opportunity for Pearson to have a look at some some young emerging players. And I thought it was interesting uh, not to be too uh, specific about individuals at the moment, but I thought the younger players passed the test on the whole and the more experienced, uh, what you might call squad players, particularly the three up front, who had a really real opportunity to show Pearson that they're worthy of a place in the first team, I felt that those three up front rather failed the test and didn't really produce in the way that the performances that you that I personally expected from them. So Colin, who are the, who are the young players really sort of stood out and in what ways? Delhi Bashiru really looked very composed and calm in the centre of midfield alongside Chalabar to begin with and then in the beginning of the second half he was playing alongside Queener and I thought he, he put in a, I mean, a very impressive and... Uh, performance that that showed real potential. He's come down from the Man City Academy, so he's he's had a good upbringing, if you like. And this was an opportunity for him to come into central midfield, which is a very tough place to play. And and he's probably one of the first games he's actually played in what you might call men's football. They're playing a, a tough League One side with lots of experienced uh, professionals, and I thought he he acquitted himself very well, as did. As did Domingos Queener. I thought. I thought for long periods of the sixty-five minutes, I think it was that he played. He really controlled the game, and his his energy, his ability to to link up with Bashir. I thought the two of them together just looked a bit like you know something that that was there to be built on. I thought they were impressive, and I I thought Spencer Adams at the back. He didn't have a great deal to do in the first half. I thought he was very calm alongside Dawson. He's a big lad. He's only eighteen. Um, he's probably got a bit of bulking up to do, but um, again, on the ball, I thought he was composed. He didn't panic. He made some good runs. He shadowed the attackers when they came forward. He distributed the ball pretty well. So those those three particularly, I know we've seen a fair amount of Queener over the past um, year or so, but um, the, the problem for them, of course, is that they're trying to get into a really, really good midfield. If you look at Hughes, uh, Decore, Capu, and add Chalabar into that, who I thought also had had a, had a decent first half, and there's a bit of a loving going on between him and Nigel Pearson, which I have to say I'm really pleased about because there's you know there's a really really good player in there and um the previous uh, head coaches have not been able to get that player out of him but it looks like Nigel Pearson is determined to turn Chalabar into into a top premier league player so I'm I'm all for that but um yeah so there was lots lots to be excited about obviously the first half went very well second half not so well and I thought actually the the substitution of Queener slightly turned the game for them I felt that the youngsters did well on the whole and the and the more experienced squad players I thought did less well. Well let's talk about those experienced players Jason. Uh, the post-match comment uh, from Nigel Pearson the players with opportunities to show what they could do they need to reflect on their performances. It's a disappointing result and there are lessons to be learned. Who's learning those lessons the hardest? 
Uh, well, I think Collins already mentioned that that front three, and they were all disappointing for various different reasons yesterday. Pereira, let's start with him. Uh, to me, it, it it just felt like he didn't want to be there. He just had that sort of look about him, chilly day against lower league opposition. You know, I've played in the Champions League final. Why, why, why should I be out here against this lot? It, it just even the goal celebration where he sort of launched the ball up into the sky after scoring. It just had that sense of frustration about it and then the petulant sending off at the end not very palatable from a from a supposedly experienced pro playing alongside those youngsters that were that were putting the effort in he needed to sort of lead by example yesterday and and I'm afraid he didn't Andre Gray seems to be getting a lot of uh you know Twitter uh focus um negative Twitter focus a tough game for him. We, we've talked a lot on the podcast about feeling sorry for Andre in terms of you know him not being uh, played in his his preferred position, Jason. But it seemed a little bit more than that yesterday. Yeah, and and I'm one of those, and I've said it on the podcast before, where I felt sorry for him because I've always felt he was uh, the pelters he would get on social media were for missing chances because he was the one that was getting into those positions. And let's not forget that last season he did score some very important goals for us. I mean, for example, the in tight games like the game against Everton. But yesterday, just I, I think it was just a step too far for me yesterday. You say he's not playing in his, his natural position. I think he yesterday he was, but not in a setup that he likes. He was playing as a lone striker. Pearson set the team up exactly as he has done the the uh, Premier League side. Gray was through the middle. Gray's probably more suited to playing in a two, and he was up against a, a sort of beast of a centre back. <laughs> and the guy sort of <laughs> the guy certainly marshalled Gray very well. The sort of balls in the in the air up to him they were probably quite difficult for for Gray to deal with. But there are other situations where you felt Gray should be winning foot races he was losing uh, certainly in the second half when sort of attacking our end I don't think he won a single foot race sort of uh, chasing onto through balls and it's it's that that disappointed me there were some I think there were a couple of occasions where he's made the wrong run as well um, the, the balls that were played seemed to be the right balls the obvious balls and he was going the other way and it just just nothing came off of him yesterday and for me, it's just sort of reached the point where not just for Watford, but for himself as well, I think he needs to change. I think he needs to, to do something else. And by something else, I mean moving on elsewhere. I couldn't agree more with that. I thought, I thought yesterday he came up a bit short. And this thing about his pace, which was always the, the thing that was talked about as his great sort of strength, it was alarming, I thought, that he had seemed to have lost a, yard, a good yard of pace. I thought he was... He, he just... He didn't seem to have that explosion of pace that he had when he first turned up. And he was... I mean, you have to also say that the team kept knocking high balls into him in the second half. I mean, they did it over and over again. I think I counted at least seven balls that were sort of chest or head high. And he had absolutely no chance of doing anything with them. But nevertheless, he doesn't, as Jason says, he doesn't make clever runs. He doesn't give players an option for a pass into him behind... You know, he, he does his, his be, he, he does his best when the ball goes out wide and they can cross the ball with the defence facing their own goal and then he can he can get in there and get his get his you know basically tappings. He's an he's an old fashioned sort of poaching number nine, isn't he? But 
when when he's dominated by a centre back like he was yesterday, he didn't have the pace to get away from him. He didn't have the the cleverness or the intelligent the football intelligence to sort of make different so- types of runs and give those centre backs different problems. He just sort of stood there in the end, and and his confidence seemed to drain away from him. Confidence was the thing that seemed to shine through for him. Success it didn't show anything more. Doesn't show that he's fighting for his team. And you know we, we we've mentioned. For both those, sort of, they might be on their way out. The success, I, I bet if you looked at his stats from the game and sort of analysed what he did from a technical point of view, probably wasn't that bad. The problem with his, with him is his attitude. And it was awful yesterday. Every time he got tackled, he rolled around the floor for about five minutes looking for a free kick, then sulked because he didn't get it, and then sort of got up and ambled his way back into the game. And it's really, really disappointing. Again, someone that should be leading by example when there are younger players on the pitch and he didn't do it at all. It was pretty pretty disgraceful, to be honest, that, that attitude. I think the three of them got progressively worse as, as the game went on. You can almost forgive Pereira thinking, how did I end up end up here? Um, you can't really forgive um, that translating to his, his performance on the pitch. I actually thought he buzzed around quite quite nicely in the in the first half and, and Isaac's success was getting into decent decent positions as well during during the first half as well. And and just talking about Andre Gray's performance and I agree it's one way you think, oh crikey, you know, how many times can we watch this? But we've also sort of dismissed Pereira and success's performance as well. So when you're up front with your other attacking players, are those guys not not necessarily, certainly in the second half, turning in the sort of performance um, that you wanted, then you were shorn of Chalabar and, and Queen, who they were, were the ones that were making it happen in the in the centre of midfield. It was a very difficult, bitty game for, for, for Andre Gray. And I, I, I have this sort of inbuilt inbuilt um, defence mechanism when it comes to Watford players I want them all to succeed I want them all to do well and you know when we talk I always sort of spring to Andre's uh, defence a little bit saying oh, have we ever played to his, his strengths and so on and so forth but I have to agree with everything you've you've said with, on him it just feels stale now it just feels like there's, there's, there isn't going to be that breakthrough he's not going to get on that scoring run is he you, you think of that our starting 11 in the uh, in the Premier League and how dynamic and how exciting that is and he just don't see how he fits into that do you and if he if he can't do it and all right yeah it was it was six wasn't it Monte yesterday he was he was an absolute unit but but Tranmere at the bottom of league one they're conceding goals against someone um, and if they're not conceding goals against uh, and I hate beating people up about their their uh, prize tag but so let's not do it but but if they're not conceding goals against a so-called Premier League striker uh, there's something there's something going on there isn't there but yeah, I do I just think as the as the game went on those th- those three guys really faded out of it for the when the going got tough in that second half they went increasingly missing and I think particularly Pereira and and success need to have a very very long hard look at themselves as uh, as Nigel Pearson um, suggested and I, and I and I suspect um, that he will be making sure they do exactly that whether it's right about now while we're recording on the, the, the day after the game or certainly on Monday morning there should be some uh, hot coals being introduced to uh, to their feet. I um, I suspect perhaps not even just metaphorically either. Uh, knowing Nigel, knowing Nigel Pearson, but I do think the game did change at half time, didn't it? And Colin, you alluded to that with um, with Chalabar coming off and 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 Jao Pedro coming on and. Part of you thinks, oh, well, that was a, it was a bold move, but it wasn't really, was it? Because we were three 0 up against, like I said, a team that did th- in that first half. Tranmere looked abject. You know, they had their three thousand fans singing tequila, um, which was great. You know, they were 
enjoying their day out but the team gave them absolutely nothing to sing about in that first half they were no threat going forward um, and Watford seemed to have it completely in the in the palm of their hand almost scoring at will so withdrawing Chalabar you know Craig Shakespeare spoke in the week about keeping the team that's played over the festive period in cotton wool and I think Chalabar is potentially an important player looking to the Bournemouth game depending on how fit Will Hughes is going to be and we all wanted Jao Pedro to get on the pitch didn't we the problem there wasn't necessarily that it's the fact that he took Chalabar off, you know, the main commander, let's say, in the middle of, of the midfield. And again, probably took him off to protect him for that first team stuff. Like we could have, he could have easily taken off one of the many players we've already discussed who weren't up to, up to par. But when he did come on, Colin, there was a moment very, very early on, he was straight on at goal. And I was down at the other mm. end in the Sir John with the family and the whole rookery I haven't seen it for years the whole rookery went off up in one go ready with this excitement <laughs> there was excitement in the air um, did yeah. it was the fact that he was playing up front with Andre Gray and Isaac's success not on full capacity uh, do we get did you see anything from him oh yeah definitely I mean I, you know obviously the boy's been thrown in at the deep end a little bit at half time as well so he hasn't Unless he was told he would definitely play in the second half, it's not easy to prepare yourself mentally. While you're, you know, you're, you're sitting on the bench and you're not sure whether you're, when or if you're coming on, and then suddenly you're thrown on at half time. But he had two really good chances. The first one, as you say, happened very quickly, and instead of shooting, which he could probably have hit it first time, a la Delafeo against Wolves, he he sort of stopped and he looked up and he tried to find the you know the pass that would lead to the goal, and eventually that sort of it, it broke down or he shot and it went off a defender. But the second chance, he did he really showed. Um, some skills. He sort of got the ball in space. He came down on that. He was playing on the left side of, uh, of of the attacking sort of forward line, and he cut back in and he cut back in again and he waited and then he hit it and it was goal bound. It was definitely you know it looked to me like he was it was going to go in and the defender managed to get a toe to it and it went out for a corner. But um, just those two little moments, you thought he felt a bit Tsar esque, like there was. He's a much taller boy than I than I thought he was from the videos I've watched. You know, he's a good six foot. He's not, he's not, I thought he was quite a small player, but he's not. So again, there'll be a bit of physical bulking up to do. But um, he certainly showed enough to suggest that all the build up and all the hype that surrounded him, which is nothing to do with him, of course, it's to do with, uh, I guess, the club putting out videos and stuff like that. So there was a lot of anticipation amongst the fans in the, uh, Vicarage Road yesterday to see this, this sort of the wunderkind that had turned up from Fluminese. And uh, he, I don't think he disappointed. I thought he, he actually... Um, they couldn't get him on the ball enough. Obviously, when you've got a new young player on the pitch, you tend to look for the more experienced players if you're a midfielder. But when he did get the ball, I thought he showed enough. A lot of a good good energy level. You know, he he didn't seem to be bothered by the cold or the physical nature of the game. He just got on with it. And uh, yeah, he, he, I think we've, we've, there's a lot more to come from him. I think there's a tendency to to worry about these these youngsters that are not being you know and I think it's sort of a bit of a lazy stereotype from our point of view. You think these chaps coming from Brazil, you know, tropical climes are going to find it difficult against against clog. I'm not going to call Tranmere cloggers, but you know, a tough a tough opposition on a on a cold afternoon. And it's it's demonstrably not the case, is it? When Richarlison first came, he was very very. Um, 
very tough, very resilient, wasn't he? And that sort of ebbed away as his confidence disappeared. But I think João Pedro was very similar yesterday. Just, abs- he's, you know, he's come over and he's desperate. He's clearly desperate to play football. That's that's what he signed on the dotted dotted line to do. He'll have seen what's happened to Watford for the first half of the season, and and you'd like to think that he'd feel he can he can make a difference. And and like you, Colin, I was impressed with the way he sort of got stuck in. He wasn't bullied around. He did hit the deck a few times, but what you know, what professional football at that level doesn't these days. Sadly, um, but he looked—he looked every inch ready for the fight. I loved the way that he—he he manufactured that second chance you, you described there, Colin. It showed real football intelligence, quick feet, um, and it was—you know—I've used the word a couple of times in the last couple of weeks, which is surprising when you look at the first part of the season. Um, but it was quite—it was exhilarating, wasn't it? He—he he was by far and away the. Um, the bright part, bright brightest point of that. Uh, uh, how should we call that second half? Interesting, intriguing. <laughs> I think get back just going back to the Chalabar thing very briefly. I think it's fascinating that he he decided to protect him. He obviously sees him as one of his four main central midfielders alongside Decore and Hughes and Capu. So, it, it, I mean, is that sensible management, or should he really have let Chalabar play for another ten or fifteen minutes just to make sure? And then bring Pedro on it. You know, with obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, and now you think, well, perhaps he should have left them on a bit longer. But we were three nil up. We were three nil up, Colin. We weren't one nil up. We had Dom, Dom Queena was doing the biz as well at that stage, wasn't he? Queena was still looking every inch um, the 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 high end operator that we think he is, wasn't he? He was still yeah. doing good enough work, I think. And he took him off probably for the same reason. He gave him 65 minutes and thought, well, you never know. He'll definitely be on the bench against Bournemouth. Bournemouth's the most important game we've had since the last game, um, last Premier League game. And maybe protecting those two players by bringing them off at 3-0 was exactly the right thing to do. I, th- I think it shows a bit of foresight. I, was, I mean, I'm not, I, there's no sense of criticism here. I think he was, it was exactly the right thing to do. It was the reason why it went bad, but it wasn't the wrong thing to do. Exactly. So, Jason, looking ahead, not to Bournemouth and the Premier League, but looking ahead to this, this replay we've got, as we sort of said, there were some young players who, who did some good stuff. There were some slightly more senior players who, who didn't. What, what do you reckon will happen? Do you think we might start with a slightly stronger team to, to get the job done? Or is it about having maybe a, a slightly stronger bench to reaffirm things if we get a similar lead uh, in the replay? Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, maybe a, a slightly stronger team and bench, um, and obviously that will all depend on injuries and suspensions. We've already said that we're, we well, yesterday we wrapped the uh, the first team squad up in Cottonwall because they've played four games in in uh, a very short space of time. Which obviously the, the games will sort of thin out a little bit more over the next couple of weeks, so there won't be as many tired legs. But obviously, yeah, it depends on, on what happens in that Bournemouth game, what happens in training, who's who's fit, who's not fit. I agree in terms of Bailey Spencer-Adams. I thought, he, I thought he looked really comfortable yesterday. And I wouldn't be surprised if he got another chance. I, I think he did well. And I'd like to see him given another go. The other under-23 players, I thought Whelan did okay when he, come, when he came on. He's... He's not Keener. Keener did have a, a fantastic game yesterday. We didn't look comfortable on the ball, but it was a different game that second half, so we did lose something when, when that change was made. Mason Barrett, unfortunately for him, it was it was a mistake by him making that challenge, diving in as soon as the guy's gone into the 18-yard box. That wasn't, wasn't the best idea. I would be surprised if we saw him 
in the replay. Obviously, he will he will learn from that, and I'm sure someone will put an arm around his shoulder and just have a little word in his ear just to just to help him through that. But probably won't see him again. So yeah, I'd, I'd expect Pearson's come out already and said, "Listen, the, the the Premier League's absolutely absolutely the priority." Equally, he won't want to be um, the headlines for the wrong reasons uh, and be the uh, sort of the giant killing of the of the replays. I do wonder if the TV companies will look at that and and put us on the box. Actually, they might sniff something um and we might be the live game as as, uh, as the tv companies expect to us to be the story of the replay but i'm sure pearson won't want that to happen and and he will uh put a slightly stronger starting lineup out do you know what lads i think uh, i'm you know who would have thought i'll oversimplified simplified things but you know you look at that team and really it was only spencer adams that we didn't know much about that was a that was a strong team. Run through it very very quickly. Backman, Dawson, Mariapa, Messina, Chalaber, Andre Gray, Don Kina, Isaac Success, Tom Deli Bashiru, Roberto Pereira, and Bailey Spencer Adams. You know that is that is a strong strong side. And I will I would hypothesise that if Spencer Adams hadn't come off injured, we'd have seen that game out. Um, I think it was you know it was starting to get a bit kitchen sinky, wasn't it, when he came off? And as we've said before, he looked every inch the the part, didn't he? He didn't look out of place um, at all. Admittedly, in the first half, he didn't have much to do, but you know he was his positional sense was was fantastic. Like I say, he's a big chap. He looked didn't look daunted by anything that was thrown at him at all, and it, it, that really did feel like the the turning point for me when when he had to come off, and that, that, that all of a sudden it did look like a very young, very inexperienced team. But I th- I think if you put that eleven on the pitch, perhaps there's going to be a few people who have who have blown their chances. But you put that eleven players on the pitch at Tranmere, and they probably there's probably more than enough there to win win the game again. You know, let's not forget Tranmere; they're in a relegation fight as well. The thing they'll be most happy about, the, the chairman will be happy about, is that there should be a decent crowd. It's an extra game and a few extra, uh, a few extra quid on the on the balance sheet. But they, you know, they've got other things to to worry about as well. And I really, really do think that that side is is ample and and is is correct. What the one of the other things I lo- loved about yesterday was that we could just breathe. Um, you know, the Premier League at the moment is absolutely suffocating. We all know we're on an absolute tightrope. Things are going well at the moment, but it only takes uh, you know a couple of weeks for things to, to to go south again pretty quickly. So it was nice for us to to relax, and I think it's absolutely right that the players who are going to be so so key for us um, in this in this relegation fight are protected and protected 100% I don't want them coming on with 20 minutes to go to try and get an FA Cup tie over the line I'm sorry I absolutely love the FA Cup but that team that played yesterday is good enough it showed it was good enough for half an hour and then for whatever reason you know, I think we we defend completely Nigel Pearson's um, decisions to make the to make the, the substitutions. I think I wonder whether Keener looked like he he cramped up a couple of times, so it was a bit of a fitness thing maybe there for him. Um, I think, and then he was unlucky with Spencer Adams having to to come off as well. I think if he stays on the pitch, we see that through. So we we although it looks pretty disastrous, and it is disastrous for a couple of those players, I think, and conceding a a three nil home advantage to a team that's struggling at the bottom of League One is. 
is obviously pretty calamitous, pretty fine margins in in reality, I think. And, and we have to keep, we have to maintain sight of the of the Premier League. I want to protect those those players. You know, if they play that Premier League eleven, it's it's ten nil or something yesterday. Probably, well, that's not fair. But we just need to. I I just do think we need to protect them and and not lose sight of the fact that that was a very very strong starting eleven. And that's it. We I think we're a bit unlucky with that with that final substitution. That's when it all sort of all the uh, the the bad stuff started hitting the fan. Um, we all saw what happened, but I'd, I'd be surprised if there were too many changes to that to that squad up there in in Tramway. You know, it's a it's a tricksy little journey on a on a Tuesday or Wednesday night, so you have to take that into consideration. We all know about about recovery times and how important that is. It has been an incredibly um, too busy um, festive period, isn't it? There's no need for the amount of games to take place over that short amount of time, and I know we feel it even more keenly when we're so sort of claustrophobic and and breathless for us guys. Don't at the bottom where we can't afford a, a misstep for me I think we send that team again perhaps like you say um, whether you know people like Mason Barrett he probably won't have won't have slept very well last night after you know it's uh, yeah it's, it was a it was a ter- terrible terrible um, experience for him apart from getting on the pitch but you know the other guys absolutely the other youngsters absolutely looked absolutely fine to me and I think you have to look at the the, the other uh, whether they perhaps switch out some other more experienced fringe players, if you like, if there are if there are any, and, and and do it that way. But I'd like to see that squad go and 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 given another chance. You know, we're very very quick as a fan base to say why don't we why don't we throw these players in? So this is the ideal opportunity, and the, and there's a and there's a reason for it. You know, imagine if if Capu gets injured coming on with ten minutes to go against Tranmere or Decore or Troy or or, or Delafay or whatever. You know, it'd be there'd be there'd be uproar. Quite frankly, I don't mean that to decry the FA Cup at all. I love the competition. I love that yesterday. Was was a big crowd. I love that it was it was an entertaining match. We want to go deep into it, but we have a very very clear priority, and that team should be good enough. And, and I'd I'd like to see something very very similar at Prenton Park. Do not scratch your ears. You're listening to From the Rookery End. So you boys have uh, been taking part in one of my FA Cup quizzes over the last few years. Uh, last week, uh, DCW and Jason. Maybe the, maybe the the game I developed was a little bit hard. So I want all three of you to get your thinking caps on, get those memory cogs turning. I want you to name me the teams Watford played in the FA Cup during oh, the teens from 2010 to 2019. There were 19 teams. Four of them we played more than once. And of course, you will remember two long cup runs. You, uh, I'm not sure if you're aware of uh, how board games go, but the youngest person has to go first. Uh, and in this competition, it's Mike, uh, then Jason, then Colin. So, Well, thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say your age. So, there are 19 teams. Mike, oh, here we go. who's your first? Chelsea. Correct. We played them twice. Uh, once, of course, in 2010, the third round, and again in the third round, 2015. Jason. Woking. Yes, of course, third round in 2019. Colin. Crystal Palace. Twice, once in the semi-finals in 2016. And again, the mighty quarter-final 2019. Mike. Uh, Totteringham Hotspurs. Yes, we played them in Sean Dyche's uh, year. Jason. Manchester City. Yes, of course, we played Manchester City. Uh, Joey, time to play Manchester City. I was, I was thinking, I was thinking of that third round game. 
We were tuning up. Early Pozzo years, yeah. We actually played them four to- uh, three times. Once the third round in 2013, fourth round in 2014, uh, and the final, of course, in 2019. Colin. Newcastle United. How many times, Colin, did we play Newcastle United, do you know? We played them like three times in one season, but I think, I think we only played them once in the FA Cup. No, twice. Once in the oh. third round at home in 2016, of course, uh, the fourth round last year. Doing very oh, well. Yes, of course. Doing very well. Mike. Millwall. Correct. Fourth round in 2017. Jason. Uh, Queen's Park Rangers. Ah, yes. Fifth round last year. Colin. Leeds United. Yes, now that was one of the ones I wondered. Would anyone can remember the Leeds United game, uh, which was uh, that, that middle bit, not the first round of 2016, but we played them at home in the fifth round in 2016. Mike. Do you know what? I might be running out already. Oh, come on, Mike. <laughs> uh, who did we play last year? Woking, QPR, Newcastle, Crystal Palace... Manchester City. Oh, I've got one. A very, very memorable one indeed. Uh, Arsenal. Correct. The quarter-final game in 2016. Jason. Up to four for Mike. Jason's your fourth game. Uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers. Correct. That was the one I thought you were going to get really <laughs> early. I thought that's what, you, that's, that's what I thought you were going to, Mike. Colin. Nottingham Forest. Correct. Fourth round uh, in 2016. Memorable winner from Igalo. Oh, 1-0. Yeah. How many are left? Seven left. And they are what would have deemed to be slightly lower teams. One of them not so much. Oh, Two I've of them got not one. so much. Mike. Oh, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look back and be highly embarrassed on this, aren't I? Um, Accrington Stanley was in the League Cup, wasn't it? Bradford was in the, in the League Cup. Um... Oh, Colin's putting the pressure on. Notts County was in the League Cup. Uh, where have we been? I don't think we. I don't think we played Countdown. Um, I'm going to have to step away. Embarrassingly, I'm going to have to step away. You're definitely going to be one. The yeah. so Mike is out with four. Jason. I. Oh. I seem to remember a replay against Bristol City. Correct. The third round, 2018. Jason is up to five. Colin. Burton Albion. Absolutely. Third round in 2017. Remembered for Brandon Mason's only appearance and an assist. Oh, yeah. So, Mike, unfortunately, is out. By the way, Mike, you've got the frustrating thing now where you remembered a few. Yeah, well, Burton, because I was thinking that was the one that was on the tip of my tongue, but, yeah. Um, we're really going to enjoy this now Jason right I'm <laughs> going to take a bit of a punt here Mike mentioned about playing Bradford City in the League Cup we, I'm pretty sure we did play them in the FA Cup as well um, and now I'm not sure exactly when it was but I'm going to go for it Bradford City it was third round in 2012 oh no oh no oh no, no. <laughs> Mike, you were so close. Colin. I'm struggling now. I'm definitely having to dig into the memory banks. And at my age, they're often closed and barred against me. We are so, down to the um, last few. There aren't many left, Colin. I've got no, three four, left. 
three left. Golly gosh. So if you get this one, you're, you're, you're pretty much... Well, you and you said they're lower teams. So not necessarily. I've... They No, not necessarily. Mm, we haven't played Bournemouth in the Cup, I'm pretty sure of that. I have a funny feeling we played Ipswich Town. But... Um, yeah, I think I'm going to have to... Ah, I'm trying to remember. Um, I think I'm going to have to go... Yeah, for some reason, that club is in my head. I'm going to go with Ipswich Town, but I think it's wrong. It is wrong, Colin, unfortunately. Ah, uh, it Jason, is, congratulations. Uh, yeah, no, we didn't play them at all in the uh, this this period of the, the, the teens. Jason, for the win. Yep. Uh, 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 he's already uh, won. Uh, yeah, I've already won, won but True. I think I've got. I might have. I might have one more. Go on then. Again, I'm not sure exactly when it was. Hartlepool. Correct. We talked about Hartlepool oh, yeah. on the last oh, week's yeah. podcast. Uh, that was a game. That we, we did, discussed. didn't we? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there were two left. Jason's win. The last two were was that same year, 2011. We played Brighton and lost in the fourth round. Oh, yeah. oh I should have remembered that. That's my Lily's first game. Ah. <laughs> one nil in the freezing cold. The one you missed, both Mike and Colin, were at Javi's first game in charge, Southampton away in the fourth round. Oh, oh yeah. God, we how all went. Can I forget that? And we all went. Very well done. Jason's the winner of that one. Six, Mike four, and Colin five. Uh, I don't know how well you did at, at, at home. I feel like I've redeemed myself for after after last week's uh, shambles, and I can only hope that Roberto Pereira, Isaac Success, and Andre Gray are all listening and uh, can, can see themselves to fighting their way back for the replay. I was going to say, yeah, Isaac, um, yeah, let's hope you do a Bailey. That's a Bailey, not a Baileys. <laughs> So, off to Boscombe for a Premier League game next week. Colin, we've said how important it is. Every game is going to be important um, for the rest of the season. I can't see us winning. I reckon if we, actually, if we won six, no, seven games, I think. If we won the next seven games, then we could put the season uh, firmly to bed. But I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> and it's definitely not going to happen. Well, we have got five. We've got five games before the um, winter break the laughable winter break that comes two months too late, which are, are games that we will hope to pick up points. Even Tottenham at home, I think, is a game with their, under their current form where I think we could pick up points. I think we've got Brighton away and we've got Villa away, we've got Bournemouth away, we've got a lot of away games. Obviously, we benefited over the festive period from having three out of four games at home, which means no travelling, and I think that definitely helped us. But um, yeah, there's five, five league games before that winter break, and if we could get maybe eight, nine, possibly ten points... Uh, from those games, then we would all be breathing a lot more easily. But um, obviously, one game at a time. We've got to go down to Bournemouth and play Eddie Howe and his bunch of uh, skull duggerers, and um, hopefully, we can uh, we we can you know we can put them in more trouble. I mean, it's, it's a real six pointer. They've dropped from mid table very quickly into the bottom three. They've got a horrendous injury list. Some of the players that are playing, players like Ryan Fraser, for instance, have, have seem to have lost a bit of form. The whole club seems to have a bit of a gloom about it in the way that we did you know, a month and a half ago. So hopefully we can go there, put on the same sort of performance we did against Wolves and Villa and, and, and come away with the three points and then move on to the next game. But it, there are some games ahead of us coming up before it suddenly gets very difficult again. 
where we need to pick up some points and, and, and push up that table as much as we possibly can. Can't overstate how can't overstate how important this is, and that's why I was saying, you know, how how I think why we've been so relaxed about yesterday's you know difficult result. It's just been nice to have that that week off, as I said, because now we're back into it. There is absolutely no no margin for error. This is a monumentally big game for for two reasons. Obviously, the most important thing is those three points. We still hear a lot of chatter about the gap between to safety still hear a lot of chatter about what what other teams do the bottom line is if we accrue enough points then we're going to you know, Michael Owen Michael Parkin stating the obvious here but if we accrue the points we need we're going to we're going to we're going to stay in the division and the way we we there's enough fixtures against teams we should get points against or certainly are capable of getting points against to to ensure we do that Bournemouth is one of them and while to go against everything I've just said three points is is massive on on Sunday but it also smacks another big kick into the ghoulies of of Bournemouth because as Colin Colin rightly said this is the first time really that they've that their free fall has continued you know I mentioned earlier in the season it would be nice if Bournemouth could could come down with us when I was feeling a little bit more gloomy and and Jason made the point that they usually pick up they got that winner away at Chelsea and we thought oh here we go you know, Bournemouth are doing their usual thing, mid-season slump, and then they they get a result and, and away they go again. But they, but since then they've 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 just reverted to type and have been losing. And you know, the atmosphere down there is is pretty bad. It'll probably raise for the for the visit of us. It's always a bit a bit niggly, isn't it? But there's you know, there's questions about Eddie Howe. There's questions about his his transfer acumen. And for the first time, they're they're wobbling as well. And you know, if you think back to where we were under under Kike, sadly, it was very gloopy, very gloomy. We couldn't really see a way way out of it and the longer other teams are in that sort of uh, malaise the better for us so if we can go down there and and sort of stomp on them a little bit and just give them more to worry about it makes it does make the season sort of easier the um, the, the more teams who are struggling stating the obvious it, it, it's going to make it better for us and the best way for that for that is to go and turn on a a good performance on Saturday on Sunday I think what we need to do is keep our heads Three games in a row now. We've seen we've seen a red card, which is completely unacceptable. You can argue the rights and wrongs of it all all day long, but ultimately we've we've ended up with three red cards in three games, which isn't good enough. We know what happens in Bournemouth at Bournemouth. It happens every year, year in year out. We know how they play football. We know what they'll be doing. They're desperate at the moment, so potentially that that'll be ramped up even further. They'll have seen our disciplinary record over the last. Three three matches and they will they will prey on that as I would expect Watford do if the if the um, if the roles were reversed so we have to be disciplined I expect Nigel Pearson will be be drilling that into them um, non stop this week he will be take a very very dim view of anyone getting sucked into any nonsense but the bottom line is this side the, the first eleven is absolutely ticking it's purring it's looking dedicated it's looking a bit more free flowing it's looking exciting and we've got every opportunity to go and get a big three points but there's no point hiding from it it's massive it's absolutely massive um, and, and, and we need to we need to treat it as such thank you very much for listening to the podcast thank you very much Mike no problem at all sorry for embarrassing myself on the quiz I feel shamed <laughs> no it was a fair it was a fair showing uh, thank you very much Colin thank you and thank you Jason thank you uh, we'll be back next week after a Sunday afternoon down by the seaside come on you ords Thank you.